that's an awesome blessing uh, uh, just to be a part of this already. I'm grateful to God for that. Daniel chapter 6, where I'll invite you to open your Bible today. My girls are going to go right out here and watch with their, their mama today. Um, I haven't made very many good accomplishments in this life, I don't think, and I'm not sure I'll ever will, but one thing I wanted to do right was by my girls, and they're probably without a doubt uh, mine, their mama's greatest accomplishment. They are such a blessing. They're not perfect. They sure are close. Amen. I'm grateful to God for that. And thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Daniel chapter 6. Uh, I hope that you'll open your Bible with us and follow with us. Steve's going to put the outline up for you. He probably already has. He's always a step or two ahead of me. So we'll be talking through Daniel chapter 6 here today. And uh, it's a familiar passage to you, but I really believe God has some wonderful truth to show us that can help us even in the midst of the days we're in. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, we're going to read a portion here, about the first uh, nine verses or so, and then we'll pray and ask the Lord to bless the preaching of the gospel today, and then I want to walk through this text with you and hope to just unpack some truth from the Word of God that'll help us as we talk about Daniel, a portrait of integrity. Notice what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because... An excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps and counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you O king shall be cast into the den of lions now O king establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which does not alter therefore King Darius signed the written decree father in Jesus name I pray, God, from the depths of my heart that you remind me that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, should be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my strength, my redeemer. Remind me, Father, that this pulpit is the place for this preacher to die so others can live. I die unto myself that I can live for you, that I'm a dying man preaching to dying men. God, I pray in this hour, God, you know how desperately we need you in this country and around this world. Help us to be a voice for the gospel and point people to Calvary that they might know you, love you, and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Daniel chapter 6, we're talking about Daniel, a portrait of integrity. Now keep in mind as we walk through the book of Daniel, we're in chapter 6, 12 chapters, we're almost halfway through, and uh, this book is pretty much divided almost in half by historical and prophetical words. The first six chapters are a historical account of things that took place in the life of Daniel and, of course, others as they were in captivity, exiled to Babylon uh, from the homeland of Judah. Daniel's been there a long time now. He's an old man now. He went in there as a teenager, and he's lived the rest of his days in captivity there in Babylon. Now we find him in chapter 6 as we move through this, and we're 
talking about how he is literally a portrait of integrity. We know what a portrait is. Many of us have those in our home, portraits of our family, portraits of different uh, occasions throughout our life. And we know that a portrait is a visible representation. So keep that in mind that Daniel is a visible representation of what? Well, Webster describes and defines integrity as firm adherence to a code of moral values, literally incorruptibility. It's also defined as an unimpaired condition, which is soundness. And then finally, it is defined as the quality or state of being complete or undivided completeness. See, a portrait is something that is a visible representation, and integrity is a Daniel being a visible representation of firm adherence to a code of moral values. That wasn't a man-made code. It was the law of God that he had burned in his heart. And he continued to stay true to this word and to the Lord, even though he was in a pagan culture, he was led by pagan leaders, he never compromised his integrity regardless of the pressure that was put upon him. So as we walk through here today, I want to bring several snapshots, if you will, uh, of Daniel's journey as he maintained his integrity. And here's my hope today, that it would encourage you and I to also have that same adherence, that same conviction to the moral code of the Word of God, to the spiritual values that we should hold dear, and that you and I might be a visible representation of what it means to be a man or woman of God, even in the midst of a culture that is certainly going away from God. So let's look at a few snapshots along the way as we walk through this chapter together. And I know if you look at the outline, you're thinking, there's no way we're going to get through, but I'm telling you, it goes pretty quick. But the fact of the matter is this, we've we got to take it all in context because this whole chapter gives us kind of a final snapshot, if you will, of how Daniel remained true even in the midst of difficult situations. Notice with me, if you will, first of all, we want to talk about Daniel's proof, the kind of the evidence that he was who he said he was. Well, there's a few things I want you to notice about him as we talk about his proof. If you'll notice in verse 3, the Bible says that he distinguished himself, and that word distinguished can also be translated famous. He was famous not in the sense of what we would consider fame as a movie star or a rock star or something like that, but he was well-known, and he was well-known for the right reasons. He was well-known because he stayed true to God. He was well-known for what he had done through God revealing to him the content and interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. He certainly was true of that. He also had the content and interpretation of Belshazzar's dreams. So because of that, he had had risen to some level of distinguishment. We would might call him famous. His fame was because of what he did for the glory of God and not what he did for his own benefit. I'm sure throughout that region and throughout that area and because of his promotion to a place of prominence, we read how much uh, King Darius thought of him. It says when he set all these people together, he took three governors and out of those three, he really thought about just putting Daniel in charge of it all. That, that Daniel would be what we would call the top dog. He would be in charge, and all these others would report to him. said the king had much to think about him and was very fond of him because not only what he was experiencing in the present, but what he had heard from Daniel's past. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe today there ought to be some evidence of a changed life in those who profess to know Jesus. And when we profess to know Jesus, there ought to be evidence that he lives in us and that he's working through us. Very important that we do that. Because if there is no evidence of a changed life, then there may be also the importance of us understanding there may be no change at all. But when a life has been changed, and boy, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it among my friends. I've witnessed it in my families. I've witnessed it in every church I've ever served. I've witnessed what it looks like when God shows up and there's evidence that he has changed somebody's life. Daniel was such a man. He was distinguished, not because of what he had done, but what God had done through him. Notice a couple other things about his proof or evidence, if you will. Not only was he famous, but the Bible also tells us he was faithful. 
Now, these men in verse 4, if you notice, they're beginning to get jealous of him, if you can imagine. They're jealous because he's not from Babylon. He came there being exiled as a captive from Judah. So they're jealous of him. They have been. It's been for quite some time. And now, even though several kings have come and gone, he's still serving in a level of prominence. So in verse 4, it said that the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They said, we've got to find him doing something wrong. Let's spy out, let's watch out, let's find him doing something wrong. And here's what the Bible says. It says they couldn't find any fault because he was faithful. Now here's what the Bible teaches us about faithfulness. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul speaking to the church, he said this, Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, what is a steward? Well, we know a steward is one who manages another's property. A good steward is one who manages another's property well. So he is saying that if a man is, going, is being required of stewards, one who's managing another's property as we are as Christians in this world, he said it is, it is required of them that they be found faithful. Daniel understood what it meant to be a steward. He knew that he was not only a steward of what had been entrusted to him, but he was a representation of the God that he had heard about, learned about, and served in Judah. He became a representation of that same God even in exile in Babylon. He understood what it meant to be faithful. That they were looking for something, they were searching out, and I want to tell you, there's an unbelieving world out there that will do anything they can to trip up and, and cause a, a blood-bought, born-again Christian to stumble. Now, let me help you with this. Blood-bought, born-again Christians will always be blood-bought, born-again Christians. When you're in the family, you don't get out of the family, but you better make sure you're in the family. Amen? So people try to do things to cause you to stumble, and here's the deal. When you stumble, you don't lose your sonship, and you don't lose your relationship, but you can strain your fellowship, and you can bring dishonor to the name of Christ, and you can cause others to stumble because you stumble. As they were looking at Daniel, they said, we've got to do something to him, but wait a minute, there's one problem, Marty. He's faithful. Amen? He's faithful. That means he's going to stay true to the cause. Well, there's something else they said about him right there in those same verses, if you will. Not only is he faithful, but he was faultless. Right there in verse 4, they said, we couldn't find any charge, no charge or fault. He was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Now, this is amazing to me, and I want to tell you this is, it ought to be amazing to you today, is that Daniel would have such a testimony that he would be so true to God that even when they watched him in his private hours, and let me say this to you about integrity. Integrity is really revealed in how you behave when nobody's watching. Oh, anybody can put on a front in public. Anybody can put on a mask in front of other people. Anybody can try to pretend. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we called it tin light. You might have played tin light sometimes. And we would tin light we were the Lone Ranger. We'd tin light we was Tonto or something like that. But listen to me. I was never the Lone Ranger. never had a horse named Silver. I was just pretending. There are a lot of people today that are pretending, but not Daniel. He was faithful and he was faultless. And you say, wait a minute. I can't be faithful. I can't be faultless with all this sin running rampant around me in this world and every opportunity around me to fall into the gutters of sin. Hear me. Daniel's a wonderful example from the Old Testament today, and he'll help you understand how you can be faithful, you can stay true, even in the midst of a pagan culture. Listen to me, it's very important you understand that. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect, not saying you're going to be perfect, but it does mean that you work diligently and you serve faithfully and that there is evidence that your life has been changed and marked and molded by the Son of God, the Spirit of God, and God Himself. Daniel's proof. He had some evidence that he was a man of integrity. And notice with me, if you will, let's move a little further into the text. In verses 4 through 9, we notice not only Daniel's proof, we notice there was a demonic plot. 
Well, I tell you, these guys were really after him. Uh, notice what the Bible teaches here, the demonic plot. There's three parts to it. And the first part of their plot was their plan, verse 4 and verse 5. Notice with me. They sent out to find some charge concerning the kingdom, but found no fault or charge. We just read, verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They said, wait a minute. We've got to do something to interrupt his communication with his God. We've got to do something to interrupt his relationship and fellowship with his God. We've got to find something against him that we can use to bring some kind of hurt or tragedy to him. We're not going to find it concerning the kingdom because he does what he's supposed to do. He's faultless, he's faithful, and he's distinguished himself. We're going to have a hard time finding fault against the kingdom, but what we got to do is we got to find some other way to get to him. So we're going to find and we're going to devise a plan that we will find fault in him with something concerning his relationship with his God because, wait a minute, he brought his God with him in here. Uh, he came to our house, and he needs to learn to play by our rules, and he hasn't done it yet, so that's how we're going to attack him. That was their plan. But their plan also involved the penalty. Notice it in verse 6. They gathered together, and they approached the king, and they used this phrase that was used often in the Old Testament as a way of showing honor to the king when they say, O king Darius, Darius, live forever. And the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, satraps, and counselor advisors, listen here, they had a committee meeting. They consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, because you're the one, shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, they made it appear as though they were being allegiant to the king. They made it appear as though they were showing uh, honor to him. But what they were doing was trying to find a way to cause harm to Daniel. Many reasons. They were jealous, they didn't like him, and they wanted to stop. So the penalty that they came up with in their plot and plan was that whoever it was, and they had an idea who they was going to look for, whoever petitioned any man or God other than Darius for 30 days was going to be cast into a den of lions. And then notice the last part of their plot was their plea, verses 8 and 9. Now, King, what we want you to do is, is since we've all consulted together, and since we've had a lot of intelligent people, you hear them listed there, governors and satraps and all these real smart people, advisors. We went and got the best advice from the best people, and we've got this plan. We've got a plot. We've got a penalty. Look here. Now we're going to make our plea. Here's what the plea is. Establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed. According to the law of Medes and Persians, which does not alter, saying if you sign this, you know that it's just not right. Medes and Persians do not change what they put a decree for. So what we want you to do, because we honor you so much, because we have so much respect for you, and because we don't want anybody ever attempting to come after your throne, anybody that petitions any man or God for 30 days, they're going in the den of lions. That's a good idea. Did you know what the king did? He went right along with them. They had their research. They had their PowerPoint presentation. They had all of their data. They had their flow charts. And they said, what you need to do is do this, and that will preserve your kingdom. So he goes along with it. That was their plea. But not only do we notice Daniel's proof or evidence, not only do we notice the demonic plot, but let's get deeper into it. That's just a wetter appetite. Now we notice how Daniel responded. He responded by daily petition. Notice with me verse 10. Now, the, excuse me, went one a little too far. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Wait a minute, he didn't panic? He didn't run for fear and hide? No, he went home. And in his upper room, well, look here. 
not in his basement, but up where everybody could see, in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. Boy, he liked home. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom. Listen, since early days. At church, we could stop right there. We could just hunker down and put some stakes in the ground and just talk about verse 10 for a long time. Because what a word do we see here. There was a daily petition and it was revealed in three ways here. The first way is once again that word integrity. I, I find it amazing how he went home. He heard about the king's decree. He, he didn't go get a lawyer. He didn't go file a complaint. He didn't run and ask them to change it or cast himself at their mercy. You know what he kept doing? He kept living the way he'd always been living. He didn't have to change his ways. He didn't have to alter his style. He went home to his house, and he got up in the upper room, and he got with God three times a day toward Jerusalem, and he prayed, and he gave thanks to God. Why? Because this is what he'd been doing since he was a boy. Isn't it amazing that Daniel teaches us right here from the Scripture today that you, when you walk with God, and the world goes nuts around you. Even when they sign decrees to try to give you trouble. You just keep doing what you're doing. You just keep walking with God. You keep serving God. You keep praising God. You keep loving God. You keep showing glory to God. And guess what? You don't have to change your ways. And you can still be faithful to the finish. Verse 11 said though. Then these men assembled. And they found Daniel praying. They found Daniel making supplication before his God. I don't know about you, how you read all this, and I, I've read a whole lot of folks about these uh, different verses and thankfully have the, uh, the honor and privilege to read a lot of different people each week on the text and help dig out the best meaning I can. The one thing we notice is Daniel didn't hide. <laughs> but also, I don't think he was over there silently praying. I think they could hear him. Because he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't ashamed to call on God. He wasn't ashamed if they found him. And he wasn't afraid of the consequences. We're living in a day... And should the Lord tarry us coming, we very well could live in days when the very simple liberties that we've enjoyed all of our lives could be at stake. Some will run in fear. Some will hide. Some will try to conform to society. Oh, but who will be like Daniel? Who will say, oh, well, they signed a decree. I'm just going to go to the house, keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going to keep walking and talking with God. I'm going to keep doing what I did since I was a boy. And when they come and assemble and find me praying, they're going to find me calling their name out before God. You ever thought Daniel could have been even praying for his accusers? He could have been praying for the governors and the satraps and the advisors and all these people. He could have been praying for them. I don't know what he was praying. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I know this. Regardless of what was the content of his prayer, I know who was the central figure of his prayer, and that was the God that he had served all his life. Wow. He had integrity. God, give us men like that today. If God would give us men like that today, and if men would serve and seek the face of God like that today and turn this nation around, I really believe that. It wasn't just integrity, there was an inquiry. Look at verse 12. They went before the king, spoke concerning his decree. Hey, wait a minute now, they give him a question. And it's a loaded question, they know the answer. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? And the king answered and said, This thing is true. They had him. They already, they both knew the answer. 
This thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered before the king, wait a minute, look, get in the story, look at your text. Not just any Daniel, that Daniel. And as a good friend pointed out to me last week, it's a wonderful thing. Have you noticed that throughout these six chapters, even when Nebuchadnezzar tried to change his name, they still call him Daniel. They don't call him by that pagan name that they give him. They still call him by the name God gave him. He said, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard, O king, O king, or for your decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. You know, here's what they're saying. This man that you've got, you brought him in here, Y'all gave him all sorts of promotions and prominence. But I want to tell you what he's doing. He don't even regard you enough to order, to obey your decree that he would not petition any man or God other than you for 30 days. Just let me tell you what we did. Just as soon as we left, just as soon as you put your signet, just as soon as you signed a decree, we followed him. We tracked him. We put a GPS, we pinged his cell phone. <laughs> and we followed him. And you know what we found? Hey, he went home. And when he went home, he didn't hide. He went in the upper room. He throwed up the window. He kept calling on God like he does every day. We've been trying to get him to quit. We've done everything in the world. He went home and did those same things. We caught him red-handed. He's done it. You've got to enforce your decree. Oh, there was integrity, there was an inquiry, but you got to look at the investigation. Look what happened. And the king, when he heard these words, oh, listen, was greatly displeased with himself. Now, that doesn't say he was greatly displeased with the disobedience of Daniel. Now, you got to remember, and you can see right from the text that you're going to find, Darius taught the world of Remember from the early verses, he was even considering putting him over the whole realm. Not just being one of the three governors, but being the man. It says he was greatly displeased with himself, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Listen, get in the story, church. Get in the story. Darius is posed with the Question, didn't you sign this decree? Yes, I did. Well, we've got a guilty party already. didn't take long. And you know who it is? It's that old Daniel from Judah. That old Daniel, one of those captive boys. Uh, they didn't realize, they, they regarded him as just a captive, just an exile from Judah. He doesn't show regard or respect for you. <laughs> Again, he married. So what did he do? He set his heart on saying, I got to find some way to get Daniel out. I got to find some way to get Daniel off. I got to find some way to keep this from happening. There's no way this can happen because if it does, I'm going to lose the best man this place of Babylon's ever had. Oh, there was an investigation. Notice how he went on. Then these men approached the king and said, No king, that the law that if this is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no decree or statute which king established can be changed. So the king gave command. He, he couldn't get him off. He done really messed up. But what he didn't realize is that through his great mistake, God was about to show his greatest grace. He said he cast him into the den of lions. The king spoke saying, Daniel, get in the, get in the story with me now. Daniel's about to go in the den of lions. And you know what Darius is doing? It's all my fault. I've really messed up. I've allowed those people to persuade me. Man, you need to be careful. If you're going to be a man of integrity, you can't be persuaded by everything that comes along. You can't just go along to get along. You're going to have sometimes, listen, if it's matters of preference, you go with the flow. But if it's matters of principle, you stand like a rock. Amen. And this is one of those times, you know, it wasn't about preference. This was about principle. 
And you know what happened? He said, Daniel, I want you to hear me. Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. He's saying, God, he's saying, Daniel, this God that you're serving, I don't know everything there is to know, but I know he's your God. I know he's personal. I know you serve him. And I just believe he's going to deliver you. You know why? Because Darius knew that it was something he couldn't get him out of. Then they took the stone they brought and they laid it over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring, the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Oh, oh, but wait a minute. They had some proof. They had a plot. There was daily petition on the part of Daniel. But then I want you to notice when in verse 18, there was some dynamic preservation. And now, listen, the king's in a mess here. He's really tore up. He's really upset with himself. He's upset with what's been allowed to happen, and he realizes that the responsibility is on him. In verse 18, it says, The king went to his palace, and he spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. Boy, he was sleepless in Babylon. He, he, he didn't even want to hear any music. He, he, didn't want to, he didn't want anything to eat. In verse 19, the Bible says he got up early. He sure did. He got up very early in the morning, and he went in haste to the den of lions. I want you to notice with me as we talk about this dynamic preservation, I want you to notice the request right here in verse 20. And when he came to the den, can you imagine that walk? Can you imagine after the night had gone and his sleep was gone from him and he'd went without food, he'd went without drink, he'd went without any of the entertainment that he was accustomed to, and he got up early in the morning and he went in haste to the den. Look, he, that, that had to be a, a hurried walk, but I'm sure it was a very, very uh, anxious walk. When he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. He didn't cry out with a victorious voice. He cried out expecting the worst. The king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel... Servant of the living God. Oh, boy, ain't that something? I, I'd like that to be the way I leave this world, to be known as a servant of the living God. He said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, let's get in the story, okay? Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually is he able to deliver you can you imagine the pause whether it was a second few seconds or even a long pause we don't know but I'm sure it was not very long based on the text but he said I'm just want to know did you come out okay and he's listening and he's calling on Daniel and he's really expecting no response <laughs> verse 21 says then Daniel said wait a minute <laughs> he's alive he said oh king live forever he's regarding and still showing respect to the king who put him in the den Oh, it's amazing, that request. And notice the response there, verse 21. He go, king, live forever. And then notice how he goes on in verse 22. Daniel ain't done yet. Can you imagine what it was like? They chunked him into the den of lions and closed it and sealed it with a signet. And all those lions, everybody expected to hear the awfulest noise and the weeping and gnashing of teeth, if you will, and those lions feasting on poor old Daniel. But all they heard the next morning was, O king, live forever. And verse 22 says this. He said, My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. You know what he's saying? I didn't hear a word out of them all night long. They make a pretty good pillow. He said he sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. 
And also, O king, I've done no wrong before you. Now, you know what he's saying is all these accusers, all these people who sought me out, all these people who tried to find fault, who tried to find me being faithful to God and tried to say I was unfaithful and disrespectful to Darius. He said, I want you to know my God showed up in the den. Kind of makes us go back to chapter 3, doesn't it? When they took his companion Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them into the fiery furnace, the king looked in and he said, I, I, I think we just threw three in. Did we just throw in three? And they said, yeah, there's only three. But he said, wait, there's a fourth man in the fire and they're all four loose and the fourth is likened to the Son of God. Can I tell you that that same God who showed up in the fiery furnace in the days of Nebuchadnezzar is the same God who showed up in the den of lions in the days of Darius. He's the same God who went into the fire and delivered those boys. They had not even a smell of smoke on them. And he's the same God that brought Daniel up and those lions didn't even put a teeth mark on it. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this God is able to deliver those who will be faithful to him. Response. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, King. You might not have got any sleep, but I did. You know why? Because he trusted in the God of all his days. And notice there's a reception in verse 23. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him. Don't you know, Darius is like, oh, I'm off the hook. I thought he was, I thought he was chopped suey. And now he's He's whole. He was exceedingly glad for him. He said, well, I heard his voice. He don't even sound like he's bleeding. He commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Can you imagine the scene of all of those people probably gathered around waiting to see Daniel's demise? And all of a sudden, they bring him up out of the den whole. Huh. Oh, boy took him up out of the den and no inquiry whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. What a reception. I don't know about you, but I can imagine all those that were gathered around that had falsely accused him probably thought we really had it now. We're in trouble. And oh, were they in trouble. They were in some kind of trouble. Notice verse 24. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them. Oh, wait, the lions' mouths are open again, and broke all their bones in pieces before they came to the bottom of the den. It means even before they got to the bottom, those lions had been in there all night hungry, hadn't got a bite of Daniel, and all of a sudden, all of these people come and they pay a terrible price for what they did to Daniel. Well, notice with me finally, if you will, the discourse of praise. This is, this is worth staying for, okay? If you've, if you've thought, well, you know what, I'm getting a little tired. I need to tune it out and, you know, find something else or whatever, you know. You want to stay for this, okay? This is worth the trip. There was a discourse of praise. This is, this is what Darius wrote. Not Daniel. But Darius, notice with me in verse 25. Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree. Wait, he's got a new one. <laughs> and remember, when he makes this one, it can't be changed. That in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Oh, wait a minute. Just a little bit ago, all these people were trying to falsely charge him. They had followed him around. They caught him praying. He broke the law that they had come up with and took him before Darius. And even though Darius tried to get him off, he couldn't. And now Darius, because of what he has witnessed, he's saying, 
The people of my kingdom must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Oh, let's just park there for a minute. Must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Do you know what he was saying? This God that Daniel serves, he's a real deal. I heard about what he did at that fiery furnace, and I've witnessed what he did here at the Den of Lions. I heard about those dreams he interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. I heard about all of those things, and they captivated my thoughts, but I really recognize today that this God is the real God. He's Daniel's God. And listen, here's what he's saying. He is the living God in verse 26, steadfast forever. Oh, boy. His kingdom <laughs> is the one which shall not be restored, destroyed, and his kingdom shall endure to the end. Wait, remember that first dream? Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, he said, your kingdom will fall. Others will follow you. They will fall. But there's coming a day that God will establish a kingdom of which there shall be no end. Reckon Darius has heard about that? I think so. He's saying this God that Daniel served, he's the living God. We've been running around here going to it for figuring out what to do. Here's the living God. And that's what he said in verse 27. He said, he delivers and rescues. Aren't you glad you've been rescued? If you're a child of God today, you mean, I don't know how you respond on Facebook or whatever. I mean, the little thumbs up, the little heart, 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 whatever it is. I mean, if you've been rescued from hell today, you ought to be heart, heart, hearted up today. Because I'm telling you, because apart from Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Calvary, none of us would have any hope of eternity in heaven. None of us. But way back in the Old Testament, Darius is saying this. He's a living God, and he's established for steadfast forever. His kingdom is one which shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. And listen, he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel? You know what he's saying? Daniel's give us evidence that he's faithful. Daniel's give us evidence that he was false. But now I have seen with my own eyes that he's forever. Because he was with Daniel in that den of lions. He shut the lion's mouths. He preserved Daniel. Darius commands that all these people, he commands that they're going to realize that Daniel's God is the living God. And then i got to leave you with this. Not only did he command the people, think about Daniel, he continues to prosper. Notice verse 28, I'm done. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus of Persia. Now, stay with me just a second pull in tight here okay y'all know how we do <laughs> pull in tight all right Daniel continued to prosper you ever thought about that well wait a minute what about all those accusers Mark oh they're done what about all those people that set him up God bless them all but Daniel continued to prosper in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You know what I mean? He continued on for the rest of his days. Do you know why he was able to do that? Because Daniel is a biblical portrait of integrity. Now, I know you look in the Bible and here's what people will say. They'll say, well, preacher, you know, those are Bible characters. Well, they're just characters. They're real people. They really lived. Well, those are people from the Bible and you know, they don't understand the world we're living in, really. We could never be like them because those are Bible people. We're just regular people. Listen, these were regular people. They were ordinary people used for an extraordinary purpose because God had his hand on them. Let me tell you what that says to me and you today. We are ordinary people 
that can be used for extraordinary purposes when God has his hand on it. I tell you, that's my prayer for you today. That you would live with integrity. That you would walk with God. And listen, that there'd be evidence. There'd be evidence in your family. There'd be evidence where you work. There'd be evidence where you, where you shop. There'd be evidence where you live, breathe, exist, work and play, whatever. That there would be evidence that wherever you go, that you serve the same God Daniel. I'm serious when I tell you, if men would tremble in fear, if men would walk in this kind of integrity, commitment to a holy God, it'd change the course of a nation. And I believe he can do it. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word today. Father, even though I can't see the church family that I love so much today. Father, even though we're separated during this time of pandemic, even though I can't see them, Father, I know they're not beyond your eyes. And God, I pray right now for them because I know there's enough going on out there to discourage us all. But God, I pray that their hearts be encouraged. That as Daniel remained faithful in his day, we can remain faithful in this day. Father, I pray for the men of this congregation to be leaders. To be leaders of the home. Leaders of this church. Leaders in the community. Leaders in their workplace. That they would walk with you and have that kind of integrity that Daniel did. It would not stop walking with you regardless of what goes on around us. And God, that you would give us Christian women and Christian boys and girls, Christian students in our schools that start back this week, that would just walk with you and not be ashamed of you. And God, I pray for the day we get to the other side of all this and we're able to gather as one family again. Father, I pray for those in our family that are going through difficulty, that may be discouraged and may feel like nobody cares. Oh God, may they know you care, I care, and there are so many people around them that care and we just want to see you do a great work in their life and that they would not become frustrated to the point that they allow their fellowship with you to be strained of all this difficulty. Father, use us as your people in this culture to be faithful to the pen. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to look this way before we close this broadcast. A couple important things I want to say to you. And one is simply this. If you're watching today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, please, please, we want to help you. You can send us an instant message. They can do that, can't they, Steve? We've got Messenger. You can send us a message. It's a private message, and we'll communicate with you. We'll call you. We'll do whatever we can to help you in your situation and see that God is glorified. If you've never trusted Christ and you want to know how you can, please send us a message. Give us a call, whatever. All of our information and contact stuff's on that Facebook page you're watching. Uh, please do that. If you're a Christian and you're struggling, Listen, there is no re there's no reason to be um, embarrassed if you're struggling. Listen, I'm your pastor, and I've struggled a lot during this thing. I ain't going to lie to you one bit. And it, it's really hard some days because I want to do so much, and there's so many things I want to do that because of what's going on around us, we're prohibited from doing some things like that. Uh, if, well, if you're struggling and you just need somebody to pray with you, talk with you, or whatever, please Send us a message, give us a call, email us, whatever. HeflinBaptist.org is our website. You can access a lot of information there, too, uh, whatever it is. If you're watching today and you say, hey, you know what? I've been uh, coming to Heflin Baptist, been watching Heflin Baptist, and, and I'm a follower of Christ, and I feel like that'd be a place God to have me serve. If that'd be true of you, then you, you do that. You send us an email, give us a call, send us an instant message. We'd be glad to talk to you about any decision you need to make for the Lord. Don't forget, we will be doing videos this week, so keep close watch on that. Some of you probably have a little alarm that goes off when it goes live or there's been something posted. Please do that because it's important. 
calling post was used this past week. If you're not receiving the calling post, message us by audio messages by phone or text, whichever way you've chosen. Then if you would, call the office tomorrow after 8 o'clock, 256-463-2576. We'll get you added to that. I will remind you, the first time it calls you, it is a 405 area code, Oklahoma City. You'll think it's a telemarketer or something. Go ahead, and, and it will leave you a message. And then if you would, uh, save it in maybe some other name in your address book so you'll know what it is, okay? So do remember those things. Options to give during this time, of course, are online through our website. There's a tab there at heflinbaptist.org. There's a tab for tithe.ly. You can give safely, securely uh, there through tithe.ly, or you can just go to tithe.ly, search Heflin Baptist Church, and it'll direct you to that front way. You can still mail in at P.O. Box 116. And I also want to continue, as I did last week and every week, to commend you and thank you for your faithfulness. Please continue to be faithful because I tell you, when you're faithful through the hard times, it really makes you stronger as a person and, of, and as a church family. So do that. Give, uh, give faithfully and continue to trust God for that. We're still believing that God's got us on this mission. We started out 2020 with a the theme of no turning back. We had no idea how what that was going to involve. We still don't know, but I know this. There's no turning back. We're going forward. God has much more beyond and I am excited about being on the journey with you. And can I ask you just before they sing us out, if you run out of people to pray for, <laughs> please pray for me. Know I'm praying for you. I'm not ashamed to ask you to pray for me. I really need it. I really do. And I'm meeting people all around us that really need a lot of prayer in our community. I want to encourage you to do that. You pray for me. You know I'm praying for you. And you know I love you. And there ain't a thing you can do about it. God bless you. Marty and Winston's going to sing us out. And Terry. You have a great Sunday, and I look forward to talking with you tomorrow evening by video.